today. Amen. All people all over the world praising him this morning. Let's continue. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. You are worthy. And we're going to speak your name everywhere we go. Amen. Jesus. In the morning when the sun is rising. Another day to tell of all your kindness. When I think of your goodness, oh, I sing for joy. I speak your name. Speak the 
come and we give you glory in this place lord you are worthy hallelujah lord jesus lord forever soul god that's here this morning god i pray that you would speak lord speak truth speak life Great. 
we do speak your name. You have the greatest name or the name that every uh, knee will bow, every tongue will confess your name. 
And we recognize you today. We humble ourselves before you. And we thank you for your presence that is here with us. Jesus, do incredible things by the power of the Spirit of God. Do incredible things in the lives of people today. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, God bless you this morning. It is so great to see each one of you. And I hope you've had a good week. I hope uh, you've experienced God in some way this week. But uh, we have a few minutes now to be able to just greet each other. So maybe there's someone you haven't seen in a while. Maybe they've been missing a week or two. But let's take a few minutes and greet each other today. God bless you guys. That's right. You are welcome. I don't know if you felt welcome anywhere this week, but you are welcome here. We're glad to have each one of you. And uh, we're excited that uh, we get to be together this morning. Um, we are going to uh, be receiving our offering in just a moment. We have a Connect card here. If you're a guest, if you could complete this, fill this out. Uh, that would be uh, such an incredible help to us. Uh, please, when you finish out the conclusion of our worship service, you can head out into the lobby and our guest services table. Somebody is there. They're super nice, the nicest people. We basically pick the nicest, friendliest people here at Praise Assembly, and we, we stick them out there. And uh, But they'll take that card from you, and we'll be... <laughs> Some of you are like, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, but uh, if you would do that for us, if you're a guest here, that would be a tremendous help. And we're going to receive this morning's tithe and offering as the ushers come. And uh, how many have ever heard of the story in, in the scripture, um, the, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan? How many have ever read that, heard it, listened to it? Most of I me, mean, hospitals are named after that story. I mean, the Good, Good Sam Hospital, where my, two of my girls were born in Lebanon, PA. Um, and if you look at that, at the end of that parable, Jesus asked the es expert in the law who had initially asked him the question. Um, Jesus says, uh, asked this guy, he says, who is actually the neighbor to the man who got beat up and left in the road? And Jesus says, the one who showed mercy. And if you read that story, you see that he took a financial hit to show mercy to this guy. There's something about giving that's connected with being merciful. There's something about giving that, that is just woven in to that. It's not just about chucking a few bucks here, but there's something about personal cost that's connected to mercy. And so as we give today, let's remember that, you know, not only is this, is this an act of obedience to God, but um, especially tonight as we look at faith promises or a little later this morning, uh, there's an, an act of mercy that you're going to have an opportunity to participate in. Lord, I thank you for the resources that you have given each one of us. And I pray that as we see them as yours, that we're stewards of them, that you would help us today to be people that are merciful and display it fully with our giving. Lord, we thank you for this moment in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. What a great song to sing as we give today. Hey, um, we have a few announcements if you got your bulletin when you came in. Um, as you know, our guest today is missionary Dwayne Danielson. And, and, and I actually went, to, Dwayne and I went to CB Central Bible College together back in the early 90s. And, you know, I was flipping through some uh, pictures. I actually have a picture of the two of us. And uh, so, yeah, if you put that up real quick. Yeah, just some, it's, a, you know, it's, it's incredible. And uh, he and I, we were, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, it's funny, it's not funny, but <laughs> no, uh, but we did go to CBC together. And that is, just so you don't, that is not a picture of the two of us when we were back. We were good looking, but not, not that good looking. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> hey, and if you could put up that QR code, that'd be fantastic. Hey, a few announcements again. The banquet is happening tonight. At the conclusion uh, of, our, of our worship service this morning, uh, we need uh, the men, ranger leaders, young guys, any, anybody who is willing and able, even ladies if you want to as well, that's, that's going to be fantastic. But we need to get this room transferred for the dinner tonight so do not run off. Uh, and that begins at 5.30 tonight. Our Wednesday night, uh, Revelation Bible study, last week was the first week. Week two is this week. We're going to be going, I believe, over chapter two of the book of Revelation. So if you, do, you weren't able to make it last week, not a problem. Uh, we can head over. Uh, you can head over and be a part of this Wednesday night. Um, also, uh, Easter candy, we got the QR code. You know, it'll probably hit from where you're at. So if you got your phone and you want to order candy for, to support Speed Their Life for this Easter, then I tell you what, you can just sit in your phone, uh, sit there. Uh, that'll take you right to our Google Docs. You can order it. And uh, we'll be collecting on April 2nd, which will be the day uh, that you'll be picking up your orders. Thank you for doing that. And again, make sure that when you order it, if a student here asks you and said, hey, would you buy some candy for me from, for, uh, for Speed the Light? Make sure their name goes in that form as well. Um, March 11th, uh, coming up very soon, actually this Saturday, is our ladies' breakfast and Bible study. So make sure you come on out to that, ladies. It's a good time. And uh, they, they have some really cool themes going on. So make sure you check those out. Uh, that's happening from 9 to 11 a.m. this Saturday. And then uh, for uh, we have a, a couple other youth events, a couple deadlines going on. Uh, the deadline for the registration forms uh, for fine arts is going to be uh, uh, March the 8th, which is this Wednesday. And also Spirit Tour, which is April 15th. It's a one-day uh, youth rally that will be focusing on the, the work of the Holy Spirit. And so that's coming up April 15th. And then also remember, next Sunday, next Sunday is when you and I get all our daylight back. Are you excited about that? It's going to be a good day. Kind of get out of that early darkness, and, and all of a sudden it'll be... 7.45 before it gets dark. How many are looking forward to getting a little more light in your day? Okay. Hey, God bless you. Those were really encouraging announcements. Yeah, move the clock ahead. And two weeks later, we get 12 hours of daylight, and we keep getting better and better after that. And then I sink into depression October 31st. Anyways, I'll tell you what, what a blessing. My family up in New England has had two storms in excess of six inches this past week. And we haven't had any, and I love it. it I just, again, I love living here in Orlando. Um, it's just, it's fantastic. Um, Pastor Brandon, were you able to get that slide up? I, I made my dinner, and I want to just show you some brujol for tonight. Uh, last couple of years, I've done the Irish side of my heritage, my mom's side, and this would be my dad from Italy. And uh, if you don't know what brujol is, doesn't it sound good? I tell you, it tastes good. 
Um, and by the way, don't bother bringing any breast mints tonight for any reason, because there's a lot of garlic in this, and hopefully in what you're bringing. Uh, this is simply flank steak that I had to slice and pound until it was thin, roll it up with some mozzarella and garlic and oregano, and it's going to cook in sauce all this afternoon, so it'll be nice and tender. So um, it was either that or stuffed squid, and I, I just couldn't find the squid. So um, next year, next year. And I found out tonight, or tonight too, the banquet, by the way, is 5.30, 5.30 or until I see enough food that I'm interested in. Okay, so it's up to you. But I am starting. Once there's enough, you know, enough different dishes there, we're beginning. But 5.30, hopefully at the latest. Um, let's see. And my favorite food, I just got, I got to confirm this morning, my favorite food in the entire world, my favorite cuisine is going to be here tonight from East Africa. Ethiopian, injera, doroat, lentils, oh my goodness, don't go near it, okay, that's mine, mm. I mean, you have a little bit, sample it, sample it, because you won't like it, but mm. oh, I've had it for a few years in a row now, and I just got it confirmed it's coming tonight, it's going to be here, and I'm thrilled, and I'm also excited uh, for our speaker today, we've had some interesting interactions over the years, uh, Dwayne, I, I remember one Sunday night you were here, I don't know why. I don't even remember your message, <laughs> but you, you poured salt all over the platform. <laughs> and so our janitor t took him forever to get that out of the nap of the carpet, salt. I don't know why you would do that. We'll talk at lunch. Um, <laughs> just came back to me this morning. And, and then another time, too, it's my, I was heading to Bangladesh for the first time. And Dwayne suggested we should get together before you go. And I'm really glad we did. It still wasn't enough. But... Um, that first trip was very interesting, but he said, the best way for me to describe Bangladesh to you is just imagine that India is the end of the world. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. India is the end of the world, he said, and then there's Bangladesh. And boy, it was rugged. It was rugged. Simple things like a 90-mile drive, I think it was, from Dhaka to Kaliganj. 90-mile drive took nine hours. Okay, that's like going a little further than Baltimore and taking nine hours to get there. And no flats on that trip. Another trip, we had flats, and you got to cross over these ferries. And, and one time, I'll never forget, you hear about the ferries in India and Bangladesh where they roll over, they capsize? Well, I know why. Because one time, they, they look at the trucks, and they just line them up. And they're guessing at the weight. And so one time, we're literally going across a river like this on an angle. And we made it. It was fine. It was fine. I don't know if you were on that trip or not, but... Um, and then there was one other time that was fantastic. I got to watch the Super Bowl in his apartment in Dhaka at 5 a.m. Monday morning. F live, live. You guys were just watching it at 6 p.m. Sunday. I'm already into Monday. I'm in his apartment with his two young boys, and we're eating cereal watching the Super Bowl. And I was so thankful. It wrapped up. The Super Bowl ended, and my ride was there just as it ended. So I got to see the whole thing and then head out on another nine-hour ride to some village. Anyways, I'm really glad that you were willing to come. Dwayne, come on and, and just share with us. Um, again, he was a missionary to Bangladesh for years and uh, then became area director over Sri Lanka, Maldives, and all that and other stuff. And I'm just, thanks for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. Are you turned on? I don't know yet. Is he turned on? We want to make sure we you hear can hear him. me? Okay. All right, you can tell. I guess. I guess. All right. If we can't hear Good you, Good we'll... morning. All right, great to be with you. Uh, yeah, 
The part about the end of the world is India, then you, the next, you, next is Bangladesh. Well, that's when you jump off the cliff at the end of the end of the world, then you land in Bangladesh. Uh, but it's amazing when you, that's where you serve and where your heart is, how God kind of makes that kind of a normal place, even though it had all these inconveniences and stuff. Uh, greet you on behalf of my wife, Lori, uh, and our two sons, Justice and Jared, uh, who are now adults. And uh, so on our prayer card, you might see in the back uh, that our prayer card has only got Lori and I. This is the first time without our kids on there, uh, right? We used to have a really big prayer card with them on there, and that was so you could cover up the other missionaries on your fridge. Uh, but now we're giving up some space for some other people. Uh, but we just want to thank you for your partnership with us over the years. We've been serving with AGWM now for 25 years. Uh, and you've been a part of Utom's Place, uh, our Street Kids Center in Bangladesh, since the very beginning. Uh, even when it was being built, Pastor Petrucci was there at that time. And so we're just so thankful. And on behalf of all the workers that you partner with, all the other ministries like Convoy of Hope, all those different places that you invest your prayers and your resources. I just want to thank you from the bottom of our heart because as you're sitting here somewhere in the world, God is doing something because of your participation in the Great Commission. And uh, so we're thankful for that. So we are the founders of Utom's Place, a street kids center in Dhaka, Bangladesh that takes girls on a 10-year journey from life in the slums to college graduates. Go ahead and go to the next. Um, uh, and we started this back in 2009, and uh, we just have uh, seen a really amazing transformation of these girls. We don't have a program that, like, every year is new girls. We basically take the same girls on this transformational journey, and the girls that started in the program are now in high school and college, and uh, it's just a, a joy to see after all the challenges and obstacles that they face to see God just transform their lives. So we started construction on a, a new place just around the time of COVID that would expand our facilities. Go ahead and go to the next slide. And uh, this, is, this is basically renovation. So we had to take down all the bricks and all the doors, and then they reuse all that. Uh, and the, in the next slide, you'll see uh, the different rooms that were being put in. So basically, it's like a Sylvan Learning Center where Girls get uh, opportunity to read, they have a library, they have a computer center, they have a science center, they get a nutritious meal every day provided by Convoy of Hope. Uh, and so uh, each room has got a purpose, but again, it's in a holistic approach that takes them not just on a physical journey, not just on an educational journey, but on a spiritual journey as well. So instead of explaining all of what the new center looks like, I'm just going to go ahead and let the girls of Utom's Place give you a tour of it at this point. Like a small boat on the ocean, sending big waves into motion. Like how a single word can make a heart open. I might only have one match, but I can make an explosion. And all those things I did.
losing friends and I'm chasing sleep. Everybody's worried about me. In too deep, say I'm in too deep. And it's been two years, I miss my home. But there's a fire burning in my bones. Still believe, yeah, I still So those girls came in at four or five years old, and uh, here's this next photo now of the girls, the original set of girls that were now in high school and college, some of them studying to be nurses, uh, teachers, different things, and it's been a joy to uh, see their lives uh, transformed. So we were able to now uh, look to the next group of girls that will take on this journey, and so our staff that were out looking throughout uh, the slum in Mog Bazaar, uh, making relationships with the people there, and as they went around, we found the next set of girls. And uh, just this last summer, we had a, like a dedication uh, uh, opening ceremony for the new girls to come in. It was really cool to see the older girls share their testimony and say, hey, if you come here, God's going to change your life. And I had told them, the older girls, when they first came, their, their mothers and their, their guardians, they came. And I said to them, I said, 10 years from now, we were this, the first Utom's place was like on the fourth or fifth story of a building. I said, 10 years from now, if we asked your daughter to jump from the bottom floor to the fourth or fifth floor, do you think they could do it? We could practice for the next 10 years and we could be jumping, we could pray, we could hope. We will never jump that high. But if they just go up the stairs, there was, they'll get here. And so if they just show up, we're gonna see God extract them from poverty and spiritually, emotionally, educationally, all those pieces. And so that's what we've seen. And so to hear them share with the girls, hey, I came here with tears in their eyes and saying, this has changed my life. And then also when, the, when they came, they brought their parents. And I can say, do you remember years ago when I told you that you just have them show up, God would do something. And it was a testimony to those non-believing families that God still can transform. And so thank you for your uh, investment. Uh, Utom's place, as you saw on the door, is the theme is the butterfly. And that's that whole idea of this transformational process. And so that's what we're doing. We're, we're investing deep into these girls' lives to say we want to see their lives totally transformed. Uh, we have in the back, if you saw on the table coming in, we have some butterfly earrings. And these are like a nice way to remember to pray for Utom's place. They're actually made of real butterfly wings. Uh, don't ask how we do that. We just buy them. Uh, but if you, uh, they're not, you know, won't get into all the details of how you make butterfly earrings. But 
The point is that these are a great way to remember to pray for the girls of Utump's Place. Uh, any donation that's made for those goes to help the program. Right now we're raising funds for the older girls to be in nursing school and in high school and college, those kind of expenses. They live in their own uh, apartment now, and so we have those kind of expenses, so we're raising funds for those. Plus, with new girls, we want to invite new girls into the program, and so we'll be raising, we're raising funds for those program costs. It costs about $120 a month to have the girl in the program plus the education. In the past, we didn't pay for their education because we were like, okay, we'll just use local schools, but we want to make sure they have the best education, so that's part of the program uh, now as well. So after serving uh, for 14 years in Bangladesh, God really expanded our hearts, and he asked us to serve the nations of Southern Asia, as Pastor talked about. Uh, they're all represented on this key, uh, the nations that ring around India, Nepal, Bhutan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, and the Maldives. And so we served as area directors for 12 years. And uh, the reason we were willing to do that is we felt that it was not fair that people don't have access to the gospel, that people in the mountains of Nepal or the uh, islands of the Indian Ocean they have yet to hear, and so by serving in this w way, we were able to multiply our efforts and to be involved with more countries. And then Omar Byler, our, our regional director, asked us to serve in a new role, uh, serving in Eurasia as one of the strategic leaders. And, uh, and so we have expanded our heart again to be involved with the whole Eurasia region, which has about 44 countries. And what we're doing is we're looking for those that God is calling to join us. We have about over 600 missionaries just to the nations of Eurasia, just from the United States. That's not counting our partners from other countries. But we're asking God to, to, to raise up people to, so that we could have a force just from America of 1,000 people to this part of the world. You say, well, what is Eurasia? Well, why don't I just show you? The men and women who formed the Assemblies of God over a century ago were big dreamers. United, they declared, we commit ourselves and the movement to Him for the greatest evangelism that the world has ever seen. Bringing the gospel to the farthest corners of the globe, they were all in. Today, we are the largest evangelical fellowship in the world with thousands of missionaries in over 200 countries and provinces. But Eurasia still vastly unreached. Across the 44 nations of Eurasia contains the ruins of first century churches that have disappeared or places where the church has never existed. Birthing religions like Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, our region is home to more than 4,400 unreached people groups. And our big dream is to realize a church planning movement among every people group in Eurasia. And our workers, senders, prayer partners and advocates carry a seal of authority, are marked by God to preach the gospel where Christ is not known, to build a foundation for the church among the unreached. Because if we don't, who will? So we're asking people to step in, to step into what God's asking them to do, take that next step of deeper commitment, to pray more than they've ever prayed before, to give more than they've ever given before, and be willing to go wherever God might send them. And that might be to Eurasia. Uh, we have a map in the back that you can pick up that has the 44 nations of Eurasia that you can be able to pray for. We have our prayer guide that's back there. This is also on version. If you look up Eurasia on version, you can actually pray through this prayer guide on version. Uh, we have our Eurasia Big Dream 
that goes into more depth of how we want to see the church planted throughout the country. So feel free to pick that up as well. Pick up our prayer card. Uh, if you'd like to do this QR code too, I think we have our picture up there, the QR code. You can get everything uh, digitally uh, that way as well. But again, just want to thank you for your investment, your heart for missions, uh, that a lot of times people will just, they'll, they'll invest in the things they can see and they can touch and they can impact directly. But when you get involved in missions, you take yourself to a place where you say, I might not ever be able to see it in person. I might not ever be able to go there in person, but I'm going to change the history of the world for the gospel's sake. And we appreciate that uh, so much. Let's pray. Lord, as we get on this missions convention this weekend, uh, some have, maybe this is their first one. Maybe there's other people that this is maybe their 20th convention or their 30th convention. Uh, we just pray that, Lord, as, as we move to your word this morning, that, God, we won't just uh, think of the nations and just get excited about what you're doing, but, Lord, that you would also turn us inward to say, God, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to impact the area around us in Delaware and Maryland, but then also on the other side of the world. I pray that God, through your word, that you would just speak to us individually. Yes, corporately, but that, Lord, there would be something specific for every single person that they can walk out and say, you know what? God spoke to me today, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can Amen. turn in your Bibles, if you would like, to John chapter 2. Um, first, I was going to read uh, John chapter 21, 25. So if you want to hop over there, you can as well. Uh, there's an interesting scripture in John 21, 25. It says, Jesus did many thing, other things as well. If everyone was written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room enough for the books that would be written. So that means, you know, we have this account, that we've got the gospels, we have this scriptural account of what Jesus did, but there's so many details, go ahead and put the, the scripture up there. Uh, so, so many details that were left in and details that were left out. I mean, right? Think about it. There's sometimes there's such minute details, like with the wedding in Cana, it's like on the third day. They took up space in the scripture to have that in there. But there's other details that are left out. We don't know what happened, they don't have all the, the whole picture. There's even people that are mentioned and people that are left out. Think about it, they name people that we know, David, Moses, Joshua, Paul. There's people that are named by name. Then there are nameless people that we find throughout scripture. There's servants, there's, uh, there were those. I mean, they'll say those kind of phrases that doesn't identify who the person was. They'll, they'll say the Pharisee, they'll just name them by their occupation, but they're not named. There's other people that are marked. So you have the woman with the issue of blood, and so that's what she's marked by. She's named by her, her uh, illness. And then, you know, in Acts 18, Paul left the synagogue, went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, and Crispus, a synagogue leader, and their entire household believed, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. So here's a verse where it's got a lot of detail, who they were. Justice was a worshiper of God. Our, our son is named Justice. That's, he's named after that person. Uh, then there's people that are never mentioned, that existed back then, that walked with Jesus, that were around that time, but they're never mentioned. 
There's, I counted up like 15 times in the New Testament where it was just like John 20, 23 says, now while he was in Jerusalem at Passover festival, many people saw the, the signs and performed and believed. So it just kind of grouped everybody together. If you've been watching The Chosen, right? What is one thing, theme that you realize when you're watching The Chosen? Crowds are a problem with Jesus, you know? They're just people everywhere. I mean, it's been in scripture, but when you see it, like this, beca this becomes a problem. But again, they're nameless. And there's many people that set the table for what God's gonna do. Think about like the, 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 uh, the Last Supper, right? We get pictures, all kinds of pictures, you know, with the disciples sitting on one half of the table. Uh, but we think about the people who were there. But think about, it. what if no one had actually bought the bread and the wine, right? What if no one had bought that place where they were? Like, what if no one had done the logistics of things? Uh, there wouldn't have been a Last Supper. Uh, what if they had, you know, there's all kinds of little details, people that were never mentioned but they set the table for what God's going to do. Uh, you've probably seen the m movie The Incredibles, right? So I got a picture of them, if you have not remembered, The Incredibles. Uh, and so the father, who looks like me, no, uh, has this super strength, even though he's kind of goofy. You know, he's, all these personalities, they have, they, have some, they have some weaknesses, but they have these supernatural abilities. So, Mr. Incredible has super strength. Then Elastigirl, what can she do? Stretch her arms, right? You know, stretch her arms everywhere. Then does everybody, remember the daughter's name? Violet, and what can she do? Force field, she can also be invisible. And then there's little Dash, and he has super speed, right? And I actually have it up there, right? So it's not, it's a, this is an easy quiz. Uh, so, we think about superheroes, and uh, that can kind of go into our thinking about when I want to do something for God. Hey, I want to do something big for God. We're like, oh, I want to be one of the Incredibles, right? So what are the biblical Incredibles that we know of? There's a whole bunch of lists, but when we think about super strength, we think of Solomon, right? Judges 14, 14 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon uh, Solomon powerfully on him. Then we have Abraham. And he has these arms in Exodus 17, 11, that as long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. Whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. You know, so he's got this point that the, the, the war goes back and forth just from his, these powerful hands that he has, these arms just like that, right? Don't you wish you had that like when there's traffic? You like lift up your hands, as long as I have my hands lifted up, well, you have to have your hands on the wheel. So, but, you know, you just wish that was the kind of power we had over traffic, over things. Then you have Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel 6, 22 to 23. And my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so they did not hurt me because I was found innocent before them. And uh, so he's got, here's our superhero that's got the force field. You know, the lions don't even come. Then you have super speed, David. 1 Samuel 17, 18. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David. David ran quickly towards the battle to meet the Philistine, this giant. And so when we start to think about, get stirred and say, hey, I want to do something big for God. I want to be used by God. I want to be, we start to think, hey, I want to be one of those Incredibles. 
You know, give me the speed of David. Uh, maybe not the speed of Elijah who was so afraid that he ran away. Uh, you know, but give me that kind of supernatural strength. You know, put a force field around my family. Uh, give me super strength to do things. But maybe God isn't asking us to be the Incredibles. Maybe he's just asking us to be the Invisibles. And that's what I want to talk to you today about is is God calling us to be the invisibles? Will we join the invisibles? Uh, and I want to just talk about some reflections on the wedding at Cana and where Jesus did his first miracle when he turned water into wine. So this, you know, and you've, you've probably heard a sermon about this story, right? And a lot of things could be the, in focus. People could focus on, first of all, that it was Jesus' first miracle, uh, that was a pretty big deal. That is the first public miracle that's written down that he did. And uh, that would be something. Some people might even get into the details of he did it at a wedding. He did it outside of a, a religious gathering. He did it at something that probably, maybe there's a significance there that his, he, he valued the institution of marriage that he set up. So maybe that's why it's connected. You can get into the numbers of how many pots there were uh, that, that filled up the water. You could go all kinds. You can go into the characters that are named. Mary, that, you know, she's a little persistent. Jesus is like, it's not my time yet. And she's like, just do whatever I tell you to do. And so we could focus on Mary. Uh, we could focus on the bridegroom. We could focus on the wedding planner, the person who's in charge of the feast. Uh, we could do all those kind of name things, what's happening kind of right in front of us. But what I want to do today, this morning, is kind of focus more on the background. What's happening on the background? The things that go unnoticed. I was, uh, when I was a teenager, we were talking last night about how I used to fly with my grandfather worked for American Airlines. So I would fly for like so little. And so I flew to California and on one of his uh, passes. And uh, they were filming in the heat of the night at the airport. So for the, that's a long time ago TV show. Uh, Carol O'Connor's in that show, this big guy, Bubba, that was one of the police officers. Uh, Sparta, Mississippi, I think, is the setting of this. But there, this scene is at the airport. So I show up, and they're filming. And I'm like, hey, can I be an extra? They're like, well, we already hired everybody. I said, oh, I'll just do it for free. So, you know, so you just, I'm walking around the background. Then they retake, and you're just walking around with your luggage because you're at the airport. And you just keep... And then what I realized is at the, the whole time, it's the same people in the background. But when you're watching a show or a movie, you don't realize that. That behind it, what's happening, there's people that are the same people, but you're fixed on what's only in the front. But there's other stuff going on in the background. So that's what we want to look at uh, this morning. So here we go. The wedding of Canaan, John 2. On the third day, there's those little details was a wedding at Canaan Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was invited to the wedding with his disciples. We even know later down that his brothers were probably there. Uh, so this is probably a close relationship. Uh, when, they, when the wine ran out, mother, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, said to him, we have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what, what does this have to do with me? My hour has yet not come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw, out, draw some out and take it to the 
master of the feast, or the wedding planner, right? Uh, so they took it. Then, they, then when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and didn't know where it came from, although the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and asked him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, when the, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of, the, of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So what do we notice in these stories? As we start to look at the story, verse 1, on the third day a wedding took place in Canaan. And Jesus and his disciples are there. Uh, they've come to the spot where now they have no wine left. And Mary obviously is frantic. Uh, you can imagine the panic that's happening that probably at first they're like looking around. Hey, did you check that storeroom? Did you go down to 7-Eleven? Did you see if we could buy some extra? You know, what it, like all the different things probably were kind of stirring. But there obviously was this panic. Mary f- hears about it. And what does she do? She at last resort or maybe the first resort comes to Jesus and asks him to do something about it. And then she says these words in verse 5 to the servants, who are the invisibles. They're never named. They're just people in the background. To the servants, she says, do whatever he tells you to do. So the first thing we see is that obedience to Jesus is our superpower. Obedience to Jesus is our superpower. It doesn't have to make any sense at all. I mean, think about it. This made no sense. You know, Mary tells him, do whatever he tells him to do. And then he says, go get those pots. Well, those pots aren't for wine. They're for something else. This doesn't make any sense at all. But that was their superpower. They listened to the right voice. There were probably a lot of voices in the background of people frantic. Hey, there's not enough wine. And we're, well, what can we do about it? We can go try to borrow some from this person or go buy some or but they listened to the right voice, and that was Jesus. And he says, go do this. And in our lives, sometimes we think that obedience has to be this big obedience. You know, this big thing. I was called when I was a teenager. I went to a Billy Graham crusade, walked down to the altar. God called me, spoke to me, said, Dwayne, you're going to be a missionary the rest of your life. And I, God never, I mean, that was just like that kind of, in that kind of moment where my life trajectory just changed. And so we could look and say, well, that's what I need. I need, when I want to obey, I want to do something big like that for God that kind of says, yes, I'm going to do, no. Why I'm still serving God today is because of the little obediences where he said, Dwayne, do this. And we need to look and say, whatever he tells us to do, if we're going to reach this world, whatever he tells us to do, it doesn't even have to make sense. He might say, call your coworker. Oh, but they drive me crazy. <laughs> he, and you just got to go, all right, God, I'm going I'm to step out. I need you to speak right now to that person that's on the checkout line. But they don't even know me. That's the kind of obedience he's looking for, that do whatever he tells us to do. You say, where do I start? We just start with the word. Just start with the word. He's already told us a bunch of stuff to do. And just say, God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to stand in faith. The world tells me I shouldn't do this. I'm going to stand in faith. My rationale, my comparison, I'm just going to obey. 
And so that is our superpower. We might be looking for super strength. We might be looking for these kind of miraculous things that we see in the Bible. But really, God is calling us to obey. And as we obey, that sets things in motion for God to work. Verse 6 says, Nearby stood six stone jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So there's a lot of specifics that they put in there. But the second thing I noticed in that is that incredible things happen with Jesus in ordinary places with ordinary things. There was only 37 miracles recorded in the Bible about Jesus in the New Testament. Three of them happened in a synagogue. Most of them happened in ordinary places and using ordinary things like mud, <laughs> spit, you know, things that don't make any sense. But when, when Jesus is in the picture, incredible things happen. It happens, it's in the ordinary places. You say, well, he's working in Bangladesh. That's amazing because that's over all the way over there. Bangladesh is also an ordinary place. It just has less electricity, you know. But when our workers are in these different places in Eurasia, they are in ordinary places having ordinary things that God uses. I was in one of our countries visiting some of our workers, and they do broad sowing where they just walk out and they just start looking to see who God might have them share the gospel with that day. And they brought me to this bench, and they said, this is the spot where the person they, they, had, they were just sitting there and they started to engage them with the gospel and they had lost all hope and yet here was God's person there in an ordinary place, taking a walk in an ordinary park. Why? Because when Jesus is there, things change. God works. You know, ordinary things could be our business platforms that we use overseas to have access. Some of them are sports related. Some of them are business related. Uh, participation in social events, when we go to someone's birthday party, all these kind of places that God might even send you, those are opportunities for God to show up, use those ordinary places with ordinary things for him to do the miraculous in people's lives. We just have to be looking for it. And the servants, they were being used. So many times we focus on what we don't have, right? So the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples are probably going, there's no way we're going to be able to feed everybody. Matthew 14, 16, Jesus replied, don't tell them to go away. You give them something to eat. And you're like, what? So basically he's like, listen, and they want to obey, but then they look and they go, we don't have enough. There's no way we can do this. And, uh, but instead, you give them something. All we have is five loaves and two fish. You know, and sometimes that's what we feel like. This is all I have. I got five loaves of stale bread and two fish that are just barely, you know, still fresh. And we're going, how is God going to use this? Well, the, the key is we obey the first part, but then we bring them to Jesus. And we say, you do something with it. And that's when the miraculous parts happen. Credible things happen when, with Jesus doing stuff in ordinary places with ordinary things. Verse 7, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Go, in all, go all in with whatever God asks you to do. Think about it. These guys, Mary tells them, do whatever he tells you to do. 
And you've, you've seen people who work at catering jobs, restaurants, you know, if they said, go ahead and go do this, there'll be some people that'll be like, all right, let me just get it. I mean, this is crazy. Let me just put some water in there. All right, the water's there and just kind of fill them up. But you get this sense that these servants, these invisibles were like, they had anticipation. Maybe they had heard about Jesus, maybe whatever their rationale, but it says they filled them to the brim. That means like right to the top. They said, God is going to do something. And I wonder how many times have I been in a place where I don't fill my pot to the top of anticipation. I'm not filling up to the brim. Sometimes I'm in that place of like half-hearted obedience where I go, oh yeah, God, I'll do that. And then I'm not really coming with this kind of anticipation that he's going to intervene. It can be as simple as praying, right? Our prayers, you know, he says, pray the Lord of the harvest. He says, pray for these situations. We've been praying for our family members that maybe don't know the Lord or they're far from God. We've got these prayers that we're going out and uh, sometimes maybe we're not praying with that kind of expectation that fills it to the brim. We go through the motions, oh, we're believers, we need to pray. We need to bring that to the Lord. It, it makes us, you know, but are we praying with that anticipation that, man, God is going to move in that person's life. God's going to move in that country. There was a song I heard on the way down to church. Last, yesterday I flew in and drove down from Philadelphia. And I don't know the song, but uh, the, I'd not heard it before. But it was like something I had never thought of. But it, says, it said something similar like, don't you know who you're talking to? I don't know if you heard that. Don't you know who you're talking to? Like, sometimes when you meet someone who's important, don't you know you're talking to the president of that company? Don't you know you're talking to this, who, you know, whoever it is, even a bad person? Don't you know they're the bad person of this area? But sometimes we forget. Don't we know who we're talking to? The God who created the universe. The God who created water. The God who created all the things. He's the one that's in this equation so we got to fill ourselves to the brim of, hey, when I'm going to pray, I'm going to just say, God, keep raising my expectation that when I pray for healing, you're going to come through. When I pray for that prodigal, he's gonna, it's, you're going to come through. It doesn't matter what I see, because all they saw was pots and water. doesn't make any sense. But they somehow had this sense that they had to go all in. When it comes to our resources, you're going to be taking faith promises today. Think about those places where if you've been doing it for a long time, I know for me with my faith promise, I can get to kind of just level off and just kind of like, yeah, I'll, this is what I'll do. I'll do this for God. It fits in my budget. I do a little bit more each year, whatever. But maybe God's asking you to fill the pot up a little more and say, I want to take my resources. Jesus is coming soon. I want to impact the kingdom I'm going to take it and I'm going to bring it and say, God, whatever you've asked me to do, I'm just going to fill it to the brim. When it comes to the call of God, some of us have said, he said, come follow me. And we said, yes, but then maybe he's asking you to go follow, you, follow him farther than Delaware and Maryland and Jersey or Pennsylvania, if that's where you're from. Maybe he's asking you to go to the other side of America 
or to the other side of the world. Maybe he's asking you to change jobs. You say, it doesn't make any sense, but he's stirring you. Maybe you have to say, God, raise that level of expectation. I want to be not half in. I want to be all in. If you're leading and guiding me, show me. And you can take that next step and answer the call. Maybe today would be that time where God confirms and say, you know what? I called you as a missionary as a kid. I called you as a missionary as an adult. And I'm saying this is the moment to step out and say, yes, I'm all in. You say, well, I'm too young. No, God's calling young people. You might be too old. Diane Eklund, I don't know if Pastor met Diane. She, was, she went to Bangladesh in her 60s, stayed there till she was in her 70s. Why? Because the call doesn't matter what age you are. It's hearing the voice of God and saying, I'm all in. You think about it, these invisibles, nobody was paying attention to these servants. They were having fun at the wedding. So even their actions, they're all in, filling to the brim. There's probably just a few people even notice what's going on. So if you go for this, if you say, I'm going to be all in prayer, if you're going to be an invisible, nobody's going to even know. <laughs> if you go all in and you're giving, if you go all in and saying, I'm willing to be used by God to go across the street or around the world, it doesn't really matter if anybody even knows. But God's going to use us if we're all in. If we're all in for a prayer, I'll tell you, it'll get messy. <laughs> if you say, I'm all in for my coworkers, I'm, I'm all in for my neighbors, that might mean inviting them into your lives in a different way. Not just inviting them to church. I'm saying inviting them into your lives, and it gets complicated, and lost people act like lost people, and all that stuff. But you say, you know what? I'm all in for my neighborhood. I'm all in for my family. I'm all in for the world. I'm willing to do it. Then in verse 8, then he told them, now draw out, some, draw out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that they had turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn it knew. So the next thing we notice is that being invisible sets the table for what God is going to do. Being invisible sets the table for what God is going to do. Basically, these servants, they got a front row seat to what God was going to do. Front row seat. It seemed even insignificant about what they actually did. You know, they just filled the pots of the brim, just did what they were told to do. They did it with anticipation. It seemed so insignificant, but yet we're reading about it this far into the future in history. And we talked, I talked a little bit about the this last supper but think about it all those pieces of every scene that you see in the bible there were people there were invisibles that set things up you know the person who brought the bread made sure there was bread for that last supper someone who bought the brought the wine who had the all the different pieces the the place you know the place to even visit there was all those kinds of things that were set up because being invisible, you get to be right at the front row of what God's going to do. And that's what we have that opportunity. We have that opportunity. If we're searching for super incredible strength, super incredible things to do for God, there are going to be a lot less opportunities for that. Yeah, God uses people in those ways, but there's a lot of opportunity if we are willing to be invisible and let him use us to set the table for our classmate to hear the gospel, for someone on the other side of the world to hear the gospel for the first time. Uh, that's 
where I want to be. I want to be in a place where God is moving and working. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone bring out the choice, choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have gone, had, had too much to drink, but you have saved the best for now. Notice in this that he never asked the servants what happened. Right? He calls the bridegroom. Totally ignores them. Doesn't even ask them. Like they probably could have said, even if it hadn't been miraculous, they said, well, we found this in the basement or we, wherever they got it. But instead, we see that if we're going to be invisible, someone else is going to get the credit. But Jesus gets the glory and other people's faith is solidified. Someone else got the credit. And are we comfortable for, with being part of the unwritten, untold, undocumented story of what God's doing in the world today? Are we comfortable with that? If no one ever knows, are we comfortable just being part of that John 21, 25, where Jesus did many other things? And if there were books, there would take so many books to write down, but it never got written down. Are we comfortable with not getting any of the credit? And then also it shows here in verse 11, what Jesus did here in Canaan and Galilee was the first of signs through which he revealed his glory. The message says the first glimpse of his glory. But basically, through all this, because of these invisibles, Jesus got the glory. Jesus was the focus, not the guys who got the pots ready, put the water, got it to the brim, brought the scooper over to, you know, the, the taste testing over to the, the, the person in charge of the feast. No, Jesus got the glory. And that's where we want to be in Eurasia. We want to be in Eurasia and say, if we rewrote that scripture about Eurasia, what Jesus did in Eurasia was the first signs through which he revealed his glory. Unreached, unengaged, inaccessible peoples of Eurasia that are now getting their first glimpse of his glory in 2023. Being part of the invisible makes us like we weren't even in the room because Jesus gets all the glory. It goes counterintuitive of our culture, counterintuitive of the roots of pride in our life to say, I want to be the person. It's, no, he wants a if we want to be in that place where he can use us just freely, we put ourselves lower down and say, hey, we want to be part of the invisibles. And this last part that John includes, he says, and the disciples believed in him. So other people's faith gets solidified because we're invisibles. <laughs> you know, basically, we don't know how those disciples were, but, it's, but it made a point to say, okay, yeah, we started following him. Yeah, we're here with him. But they were believed. Their, their faith was encouraged. Other people's faith was encouraged. So for us, by obeying, using ordinary things in ordinary places with anticipation, we're setting the table for what God's going to do right here locally and around the world. And I can just say for our coworkers on the mission field, they are going to be encouraged and they're going to believe deeper because of what you decide to do through your prayers, through your giving, and your going. So are you in? Are you ready to be part of the invisibles? Uh, who's ready? Are we ready to do this in our obedience? Say, God, I'm going to obey. Just like Mary said to them, do whatever he says. That's my posture today. Whatever God says to me to do, I'm going to do it.
no qualifications, no evaluating, just say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey his word. But then I'm also, when that Holy Spirit moves us to do something, we're going to say, I'm going to obey. Doesn't have to make sense. I was here, there was a worker that, that uh, a worker in Eurasia that was, uh, just felt like that they should send a, a devotional to one of the workers, uh, to a, a missionary kid. And uh, it was $70 to, to send it by FedEx to the other side of the world. Makes no sense. Like the book's $15, you can send a digital copy. And that missionary kid wrote and said, at the depths of my loneliness, your package arrived to remind me that God was there. You see? That's just a You say, well, that was just a hunch. You should, no, that's the Holy Spirit leading us. And we obey in those little things. And then that opens up the door for the miraculous. It's going to change our perspective, too. We got to let God, if we're going to be invisibles, we're going to have to be, let him be, change our perspective that it's not just in the spiritual places like a church service or an event, but he's going to use ordinary places, ordinary things, ordinary people to set up what God's going to do. And he's going to ask us to be all in. Is Jesus coming soon? Sooner than yesterday? You might say, well, how do we know it? Well, it's sooner than yesterday. And he's going to ask us to be all in. And it sounds super, not necessarily encouraging, but the reality is other people will get the credit, <laughs> but God will get the glory. And there'll be other people that will be so encouraged as we see the gospel go out to the world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this church's commitment to missions, their focus on the world from one side to the other, all different ways from Bible schools to to, uh, to uh, compassion outreaches, different things, even here locally in the community, all that, Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, we sit now at this time in history where the world is, seems to be spiraling down and down and down, and a world that focuses on the personality and focuses on being the man or being the woman and being the hero. Lord, we just want to be the invisibles. We want to have a front row seat to what you're going to do in these last days. And Lord, I pray that God, you would just give us that quickness to just say, yes, I will obey. Do whatever he says to do. I'll do that. Lord, give us that attitude that you could do it anywhere. At a family gathering, in the grocery store, you can work anywhere. And help us to be all in, to fill it to the brim, that expectation of what you're going to do, not by what we see, because we can see our families are in disrepair, our, our school systems are broken, our world is, is falling apart, but let us see beyond that, that Lord, as we raise the brim, go to the brim with expectation, Lord, when we go all in, you're going to transform people's lives. You're going you're to intervene in nations that have yet to hear the gospel once. Lord, I just pray that God, you would just Help us, Lord, to be willing to, to be in that spot where we don't get the credit, but you get the glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you, Amen. Dwayne. Amen. Yeah, I know most people won't believe this, but I, I'm speechless. Um, I would encourage you probably to listen to that message tomorrow or sometime this week. Listen to it again. So much in there for each one of us. Amen. Thank you for sharing. That was fantastic.
Um, I want to do something now as we close this service um, that I've, well, this is, this is the 25th time I've asked you to do this. On your seat this morning, there was a faith promise card. Most of us are familiar with this, but if you're not, just a quick explanation. This isn't a pledge card. It's just an opportunity, and we'll pray in a moment, for you to put down what you believe God can do through you in 2023, in this next year, in the next 12 months, for missions. Over and above your tithes, your offering, you know, what do you feel like God can do? And, and we've heard some great testimonies over the years where some unexpected funds came in. Someone made a faith promise of a certain amount, and within a short period of time, it came in from just some unexpected source. That's what we're really talking about. We talk about a faith promise. A pledge is something you know you can do, and if you don't do it, some organizations will hunt you down and make you pay that pledge. That's not what this is about either. It's just putting down a number that you believe God will provide through you somehow, really miraculously. And that's what we want to do in a moment. I'm going to pray, and then we'll fill out these cards, and our ushers will come and collect them. So let's go ahead and do that now. Let's just pray before we fill out anything. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to, to truly reflect on missions. I thank you for this message this morning that encompassed so many aspects of our walk with you, especially in light of missions, how every one of us is called to fulfill the Great Commission. And Lord, I thank you that you want to use just us, ordinary people, in ordinary places. Lord, I thank you, God, for all that we've received this morning from this message. And I thank you that right now, Lord, you have the ability to do the miraculous through us. Not, not necessarily through where we work or the paycheck we bring home, but Lord, that you can provide extra funds that will meet the needs that we can, that we can help supply for our missionaries around the world. And Lord, I pray that you give us, give us an awareness this morning. Lord, help us to know what we can trust you for as we fill out these faith promise cards. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And on this card, too, you don't have to put your address and everything. We're not going not gonna to look for you. But just if you just put your name on there and what you would, you believe God can do through you on a monthly basis, and then our ushers will come and pick them up in a moment. So while we're doing that, um, can we go ahead and start that video? I know we we're going to do it during the offering, but I want to show that video, the music video we shared last week as you're filling this out, just to give us some time uh, to, to complete this form. Yeah. 
You are.